Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me here at the Recovery Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Jaworski. Uh, the Recovery Executive Podcast is brought to you by Circle Social Inc., experts in strategic growth and marketing for treatment centers. You can always find out more about us at www.circlesocialinc.com. If you're looking for inquiry generation, admissions generation, help with your SEO, your website, and even your offline business development building, anything around admissions and operations is an area that we can help. Uh, today, we've got John Wagner. John Wagner is the founder and CEO uh, Verify TX. Um, they are a business that I personally and, and we personally recommend all the time. It's a great service for doing VOBs. Uh, happens digitally, happens very fast, and John will tell you a little bit more about the features w- inside um, the software that he's created, but it's, it's a great tool. Uh, highly recommend it. So excited to have John talk about that. And obviously, we can't talk about VOBs all day. <laughs> so we get into some wider admissions discussions. You know, he used to work in admissions. Obviously, we do a lot with admissions. So we talk about best practices there, um, what you're seeing if you want to generate more admissions, or particularly what your admissions team themselves can be doing internally rather than just waiting for inquiries. But once you have an inquiry in, what's a better way to make sure that you're converting them? And then we just have kind of a, some general discussions about the industry. So as always, excited to have John on. I know you guys will be too. Let's listen to what he's got to say. Hey, John, I really appreciate you coming on today. How are you doing? Hey, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? Doing all right. Well, John, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself and what you do over there at Verify TX? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Um, so, yeah, I'm born and raised in South Florida. Currently live in historic district in downtown West Palm Beach, and I've been working in the addiction treatment field since 2011, and I've spent time working in admissions and also billing. Um, now I'm founder and uh, product business developer for, for Verify TX. Okay. Um, been doing it for the last couple of years. All right. So I, I think a lot of listeners probably are familiar with Verify TX. Um, I know we recommend it a lot of the time to a lot of our clients because it's a very good um, program or whatever you want to call it. So exactly what does it do for those who don't know? Yeah, so Verify TX, it stands for Verify Treatment, and it's an on-demand health insurance verification platform. It's available 24-7 at 365, and we target uh, specifically um, substance abuse and, and mental health centers. And really to do two things, number one, to help admit more clients faster and easier, and then also to help protect against revenue loss due to term policies. Right. So that all important, all important, uh, VOB verification. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's always, yep, absolutely. To sure <laughs> it's going to pay the way it's going to pay. Right. Well, cool. Um, exactly. before we kind of jump into that a little bit more, can you tell us a, a bit more about your experience within admissions? Yeah, hundred percent. So um, I first started, uh, like I said, back in uh, 2011. It was pretty interesting because I I'd met my my boss originally at a little uh, get together, and a uh, girlfriend of mine at the time was working over at Seaside as a uh, as a tech. And so I, we, you know, was just talking to him. I was finishing up my my degree in finance and economics, and um, him, you know, me and him had a lot in common. And he was asking me what I was doing for work, and I was like, man, I I don't know, you know, right now, like I'm just kind of trying to get through. Uh, try to get through school, but I'm, I'm looking for something part-time. And so what's interesting about that story is he ended up hiring me um, down, at, down at Transformations. His name's Matt Hirsch. And one of my first jobs that he assigned me to was to log into Gmail and pull up insurance verification forms from our billing company, print them, and then put them into one of three binders. We had a billable binder, an allowable binder, and a no-out-of-network binder. Um, and so looking back on that to me is always just kind of funny, just seven years later, um, 
you know, running verified CX and doing all of this electronically and integrating with over 500 insurance companies, you know, we process about 25,000 uh, verifications every month. Um, so it's just, it's, it, to me, it's just humorous that that was literally my first job uh, working in the industry. That's funny. <laughs> well, so you've been in it since 2011. You know, you want to talk a little bit about the changes you've seen in that time? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, there's been a lot. Obviously, Obamacare was a big one that happened in 2012, shortly after. And I just remember even sitting around, you know, sitting around a table and, you know, so concerned about how Obamacare was going to, you know, impact our, you know, our business. And, you know, turns out opening up coverage for everyone in the United States. I mean, we would get insurance verification forms back all the time that didn't cover, you know, mental health and cover substance abuse. And I don't mean carved out and I don't mean state restrictions. I mean, the policy literally just didn't cover those things. Then there's also pre-existing clauses. So, um, you know, with Obamacare, I mean, it has absolutely um, been a huge reason why our industry has boomed as much as it has, because it's opened up uh, different treatment options for a lot more people. So that's obviously a big one. Um, you know, competition, you know, just like I said, a lot more, you know, options. There's so many more treatment centers, detoxes, uh, outpatients uh, in 2018 than there were in 2011. Um, but then also, you know, the margins have dramatically reduced. I mean, every single year is like, you know, next year, UAs are going away. You know, next year, this is, you know, they're not going to pay for this anymore. And obviously, time has caught up to us a little bit. And, you know, in the past, you, if you used to be able to invest 50 grand into opening up a, a treatment center, expecting to make, you know, 10x, you know, within your first 90 days. And now it's just completely different. And then, of course, there's a lot more regulation, which has been, uh, gosh, just so needed. Uh, really just for the benefit of the, uh, you know, of a very vulnerable population. Um, so it's it's good to see that. You know, it's good that uh, we're starting to, you know, clean clean up a lot of the mess. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, overall, like, uh, I think I was talking to you, you know, early, I'm very hopeful for, you know, for the for the industry. There's so many people out there that need help. Um, you know, it's, it's just it's a lot harder landscape now um, than it was back in, in 2011 in some ways. Um, you know, but SAMHSA reported they, they received uh, over eight, 800,000 calls to their helpline last year. There's still so much need. So it's, it's awesome just being able to see, you know, how many people are out there um, doing good work. Well, I think it's one of the challenges we're going to hit on, right? Because I know, you know, we've seen it in our end where, you know, up to 20% of clients out there or people that we know have closed treatment centers. You know, and I think you were saying that you'd seen almost 30%. Um, among your contacts and you know, lots of people closing down with all these changes in terms of admissions teams and processes and things that you see on your end, you know, what are some things that you need to be doing to make sure that you're not one of those centers? Yeah, that's a really interesting question because um, I think it can be answered in a lot of different ways. Like you being a marketing guy, you're going to have a very different answer than me being a, you know, having an admissions background and being an insurance verification guy you know, versus if I was, you know, if I, if I owned a billing company, I'd say, well, you have to make sure you have a good billing company. So, I mean, obviously, like every aspect of the, you know, the, the treatment cycle and all of your business operations are so, so important. Um, you know, something specifically, though, for admissions teams, and because really, like, the heartbeat behind what Verified TX does and what we, I mean, do, obviously, it's insurance verification, which isn't sexy at all. Um, but the reason why we exist is because we want to make it, you know, less time consuming and really less aggravating for someone seeking help to get into treatment. And so 
that's kind of the heart behind what we do. And then for, you know, the businesses, for the treatment centers, you know, they're able to admit uh, more clients um, because they're able to get back, you know, a little bit quicker. And so, and I will go over some best practices because, you know, we've had the unique opportunity of having discovery calls with, it's got to be over 800, you know, different treatment centers by now. Um, and really, have you know, identified their best practices and, I mean, just directly heard from them, like, this is, you know, kind of how they, they run their operations. And, you know, we'll get into some of that stuff. But, I mean, just as far as, you know, challenges, like you said, I'm just going to speak into admission team first. You know, I think, number one, you know, if I was a treatment center owner, something I would want, you know, to know or hear um, as a former, admission, you know, uh, working in admissions is there's such a lack of support and training. Um, and I'm going to stand behind the admission coordinators and the admission specialists here because, you know, a lot of times, like, we're, we're bringing people into our phone rooms and on the phone that might have a sales background or, you know, might be a year or two into, you know, their own personal recovery who have made the phone call before themselves. But how do you handle when someone calls in that's suicidal, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we get that in our end, even in the marketing, you know, because we'll have, we'll have people messages or we'll listen to phone calls and, and, you know, you get those suicidal people in there it's just really hard it's something for the team to always be aware of and luckily we're not personally handling those conversations but man you know it's tough to be in that position yeah yeah i mean and you know a lot of times we're advertised you are are, you know we're calling for free consultation you know it's a helpline it's a help center it's you know and then as an admission coordinator you're sitting on the phone someone calls in with you know a problem that you know, you're not specifically trained on how to handle, and it's a very sensitive place, you know? And so obviously this isn't going to necessarily impact your bottom line, you know, as a recovery executive, but it's something to be mindful of, which really leads into, um, you know, as an admission coordinator, another big challenge that, you know, they face is uh, James Hadlock. I was just in one of his presentations. He's the founder of um, uh, Blue Novus. Um, It's something he called innate listening which is really just the ability to, you know, listen with empathy uh, to someone calling in for help. And uh, a lot of times, you know, the challenge that admission teams face is dealing with their supervisor. You know, I've heard, I've heard people say, you know, you just spent 20, 22 minutes on the phone with that lady and she wasn't even qualified. And, you know, meanwhile, it's like, well, if I didn't spend the 22 minutes on the phone with the lady that wasn't qualified, we wouldn't have known for sure if she really was unqualified for our program specifically. And so it's hard because there is definitely the sense of like, get on and get off the phone as if our phones are ringing, ringing off the hook all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which would be a great problem to have, but I'm, I guarantee it's not the problem that most, um, you know, teams are facing out there today. Well, I think it speaks to looking at the field in the wrong way too. You know, you know, we were talking before we, you know, started started the podcast here that there there needs to be a lot of heart in this space, right? And if you're not showing that heart to every person that calls in, because these people's lives are on the line, um, they took a lot of courage to call you and get on the phone with you and share their story. Yeah. And for you just to treat them as a commodity is the absolute wrong way um, to be doing it within this field. 100%. Yeah, and I couldn't agree with you more. And even, I know sometimes the objection will be, oh, but you know, I'm charged per phone call after you know two minutes or three minutes or something like that. So we need to hurry up and find out you know, if that person is qualified. And just to be, I mean, to be honest with you, and I've, I've done a lot of research into this and have looked at, you know, really, really big data sets. Um, a lot of people out there, 
or at least some people out there, treat their insurance card like their social security card or their credit card. And even though, like, we know that, okay, give me your insurance card, it tells me what the benefits are, but it doesn't really give me any sensitive data on you. Someone's not, if they just, if they just called you for the first time, it's going to take them a little bit to give you their insurance card over the phone. Unless, of course, the person has already been through the process and they call you and say, hey, please take my insurance. I need to get in immediately, and I, I'm right down the street from your center. That's not the call we're talking about. I'm talking about the call. Someone is inquiring about your program. They're asking about costs. They're calling for their son, for their daughter, for their loved one. Um, and they just they want more information, and they want to be sure that sending them to your program is better than sending them somewhere else. And so in these types of situations, I've seen the same person call the same center within the same hour. And on one call, when they were asked, do you have insurance? They said no. And then on the other call, when they asked if they had insurance, they said yes. And what's the difference? The difference is the second person that got a yes on do you have insurance was able to create rapport and have empathy on that caller. They were able to create a connection. And that's something that is so important that I think, you know, listening to some of the things that James Havlock had to say in that, um, you know, in that uh, presentation that he gave out at the uh, Admissions and Marketing Symposium in California would have really, really dramatic results on admissions teams and helping people. Yeah. Well, for listeners, if you haven't listened to it yet, you know, we just did a podcast with James Hadlock um, right before the one here with John. And it is probably, well, it is, it's my favorite podcast I've done so far. Um, just really, you will learn a lot. And if you're looking for someone to connect with that can turn around your admissions team and really help them understand how empathy helps not just people, but will help your, your program grow. Um, he's the guy to talk to. So definitely recommend that. And on that note, you know, empathy and compassion being front and center to what we do and being effective at what we do. Um, other suggestions that you have, John, on what some best practices are around whether it's admissions or VOBs? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I think that's a big thing, right? So just having empathy. And then also when you're on the phone, uh, there's a difference, you know, in being um, informational versus being inspirational. And what I mean by that is not just persuasion, but it's, it goes even deeper. Inspiration goes even deeper than persuasion. You know, it's really about hitting on someone's core need to be heard and truly seen, believed, and loved, right? And so if you're able to do that, if you're able to set yourself apart, because how many times have you know, have, have, has someone called, I mean, I've, I've heard the story so many times I've called in, they, you know, I said, I'm calling for my, um, I'm calling for my son. He's addicted to, you know, heroin. He's been addicted for this long. This is the story. This is what's going on. And then the first thing out of their mouth is, do you have insurance? And so, um, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to hear that because you just heard something that's very, very, devastating and there's no sense of you know response at all you know um you know what we, we, we used to train you know a couple different things that we used to train when i when i worked in admissions is there's something as simple as a compassion statement which is simply saying wow i'm really sorry to hear that and that's after the person's finished talking you don't want to cut them off you want to let them tell the story and just you know a simple compassion statement like that can really go a long way you know affirming them saying hey you're really brave for making this call uh, giving them a support statement, letting them know that, like, I'm listening to you, I believe you, you know, and I believe in you can make such a big difference, you know, on your, uh, you know, really just being being an advocate, an advocate for the caller can go a long way. 
Um, and so all these things, you know, I, I think just really need to be implemented into a lot of different treatment programs. Um, and then, you know, something else, another challenge that admissions teams face is, and this is, I'm not necessarily, you want to talk to, you know, James Hadlock or, you know, someone else as far as uh, that type of training goes, because I'm not, I wouldn't call myself an expert on that. Um, but, you know, a big challenge too is just also lack of automation. You know, I mean, I've seen Salesforce page layouts that are mile long and, you know, you're responsible for hitting on every single little point and there's just no automation. And um, I don't want to say no, but there's not as much automated as much automation as there needs to be to just make that process go a little bit faster. Yeah. Um, and so. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess you you asked about, you know, best practices when it when it comes to to VOBs and, you know, again, you know, verification of benefits can be really confusing. It's, it took me forever. I mean, even, uh, you know, when my job was just to print out the the verification forms and put them into a binder, I would take a look at them and I had no clue what they meant. And then even when, you know, I was getting familiar with Availity and some of the other online tools, I, you know, was just, I didn't, I didn't trust myself in understanding it. And so, you know, that's a big reason why we created Verified TX because, you know, I always think it's funny because I work in, you know, work for a, a, I have a software as a service company. And yet, you know, there's applications I download and try to use sometimes that I just can't even seem to figure it out. And I always, you know, feel really silly about that, you know, working in technology myself. Um, but I think one of the things that people really like about Verify TX specifically is just how easy it is to use. Uh, and that's because I, I, I tried to make it, um, yeah, just uh, really intuitive because I know my patient's level is, is very, very, you know, short. And so if I can't figure something out in a short period of time, I'm going to set it down. Right. Right. Yeah. That's most people, right? You're like, oh, I'm done with this. I got other stuff I need to be doing. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So in terms of like the VOB, you know, we're kind of talking about making sure you're establishing empathy and really putting the, the patient or the caller first, you know, where do you actually recommend that point in the process where they run the VOB? Yeah. Great question. Um, so let's, I want to talk to you first about, uh, what we see a lot of times on these discovery calls, just asking folks, you know, how they verify benefits. And then just what I've seen, um, even just on a bigger le uh, level with, you know, kind of from initial, you know, reach all the way to uh, either admission or referral or, you know, sending a resource guide or something like that. Um, but here's how it currently works. Someone reaches out for help and then insurance data is gathered typically within like two or three minutes. Right. Because as admission coordinators, like we, we've got to get their insurance information as quickly as possible, because if we are stuck on an unqualified call, the guy sitting next to us might take a lay down, as we would call it. Right. So we don't want to be that guy getting stuck on that. So we're trying to hit our numbers. Right. Especially if, you know, your quote is 10 and you're only sitting at two and you have one week left in the month. You're going to try to get on and off the phone as quickly as possible. Um, so insurance data is gathered very quickly. And then we submit it to our in-house team or our outsourced, you know, biller. And they take an hour, you know, some of some of them promise less than that. Some of them can turn around in 20, 30 minutes, but call it one hours. And on a really bad day or on a Monday when they're backed up three hours or if it's nights, weekends, holidays, um, you know, you have to wait until the next day uh, to actually get a, uh, an answer. So you just spend about two or three minutes on the phone with someone. Then you make them wait one to three hours or longer. And now you're going to do a callback. That to me is such a broken process. Because what's the likelihood, given what we already talked about with the industry, with how many different options there are out there, for you to actually get that person back on the phone? Yeah, it's less than 50%. I mean, most of these guys, yeah, it's very hard to connect back once you get off the phone. Yeah, absolutely. And so, 
really best practice, you know, and we've, I've, I've talked to a lot of our customers, you know, we work with a lot of, you know, multi-state, multi-site, uh, you know, large conglomerate type of organizations out there, you know, treatment centers out there. And then we also work with, you know, single state, single location, you know, smaller 30 bed, 40 bed. Um, and any, any size center can adopt what we call the best practice, which is someone reaches out for help and insurance data is gathered after rapport has been made and your discovery is complete, right? After you've already made a connection with that person, you ask them for their insurance information. And that might take seven minutes. It might take 22 minutes. It might even take a little bit longer, but the key there really is, is listening and building that rapport, right? Yeah. And so after that, use a tool like Verified TX to run what we call a preliminary VOB. Treatment centers that have higher admission rates guaranteed are doing some kind of upfront electronic verification before they're doing their full phone VOB. And the reason why is because even if it's not 100% of the information you need, and just so everyone's clear, Verify TX, it's not the same VOB that your billing company gives you. What we do is we tie in directly with over 500 different insurance companies, and we provide what we call the most comprehensive verification of benefit on the market, uh, specifically for substance abuse for mental health, um, but that's going to cover a lot of different things that can give you a preliminary yes or no while you're waiting on the full phone VOB. And so after you do that, you can tell the person, hey, I, I'm looking at your policy. It looks good. I'm going to send it off for one more uh, confirmation. Let's go ahead and get your screening started or set up, depending on if the admission coordinator completes the screening or not. And so from there, you're moving forward in the process versus, hey, I'll call you back in an hour or I'll call you back tomorrow. You see, you see the difference there? Yeah. I mean, it's really important. You know, I mean, if you, if you do it the right way, you're going to have people that are going to stick on the phone for you, right? Or answer the phone when you call back, but it also just simplifies the process, you know, kind of from an operation standpoint for the center. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and we get objections on that all the time because this is, you know, it's, it's, it's really fixing a broken process and, you know, change can be very, very hard. And so, you know, a couple of the key objections to what I just described with the best practice, you know, VOB is, you know, treatment center owners or directors will say, you know, well, we have to know if the patient can leave the state before we tell them yes or no. And if Verify TX or Availity or Navinet or any other way that you can check benefits online um, can't tell me that, then I have to wait for that full phone VOB. And so my question is always, okay, so, you know, how many times does that happen to you where you've been burnt? And the answer they could, you know, the answer, honestly, Nick, is, it's happened less than 5% of the time, right? So out of 100, it's happened we've gotten burned, you know, five times, which might sound like a lot, but call that over the course of a year or something. Sure. And so I'll say, okay, so and out of, out of you know, how many admissions? And they'll, you know, tell me. And I'll say, okay, so I, I just want to make sense of what you're telling me. You're going to make 95% of your qualified incoming clients wait because of a problem that only affects 5% of your incoming clients. That doesn't make any sense. Right. And especially after we just got done, you know, talking about the heart of our business, which is being able to help people, you know what I mean? And so a, a, a big key of running an effective, you know, admissions program is having available resources and referral sources. Even if your organization isn't able to take every level of care and every type of in and out at a network benefit and every type of exclusion and, you know, all this type of stuff, if you're not American Addiction Centers, basically, you know, or one of those types of guys, like 
you can still have a very, very strong referral network to where even if you took a chance on someone and if their insurance wasn't able to work with you and you found out a day later, you can still have options available for that person so they don't have to come out of pocket. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean, that's exactly it. You know, I think um, I think I think most centers have kind of figured part of that out, right? Where if we have strong referral networks in place, we can place and find help for people. And that just ends up building a strong support network all over the place. Yeah, I was just reading some interesting research, actually, you know, kind of as an aside, um, that the detoxes that are out there that have the strongest referral networks in terms of other levels of care are the ones yep. that have the highest effective rates because um, they're actually able to place yep. people in, in the right continuing care that's connected to their form of treatment and all that kind of stuff. So really interesting to see that. I was just going to say, you know, we work with tons of detoxes um, all across the country because, you know, they more than anyone else really have to rely on electronic verification. Right. And so and they know that they have to be really, really good at looking at a limited amount of information and making a really, really best guess on if they can accept someone or if they're going to have to refer them to someone else who can. And really the key there, and I've heard you know a bunch of different people talk about this, um, is having really good and as big as possible data. And what I mean by that is policy history, policies that you've taken, policies that you've gotten authorization, you know, and, you know, good, uh, good reimbursement rates, you know, being able to track policies that you're able to take and policies that you're not, you know, is a good way to, and, and a, a tremendous resource to give your, you know, admissions department, especially when they're dealing with after hour admission. So from a verified TX standpoint, are you able to individualize kind of some of that tracking or is that just in, in a general sense where you guys are able to help out? Yeah, that's a great question. So one thing that sets us apart is, you know, our we have a we have a, a whole web uh, platform. So every single verification that a treatment center runs stays inside the dashboard until you either cancel your account or you delete the verification. And then there's also a way to, you know, track. Uh, we call it team collaboration. It's really a way to have HIPAA compliant, secure interaction inside your department. Um, and there's notifications and email you know, notifications and all that type of stuff. Um, but all this, all this data and all this, you know, it needs to go somewhere and you can store all this stuff in, you know, your verified TX dashboard so that in the, you know, in the future, if you need to pull up a specific plan or policy, you can do that and see what you did in the past. Um, so it's, it's a really effective way to, you know, to track some of that big data. Huh, super helpful. And you were talking about automations before. Um, what are some specific automations that you, or what are some specific processes that you recommend people automate that you don't see a lot of centers doing? Yeah, um, that's awesome. I mean, even with our business, uh, we try to automate as much as possible, and there's still many things that aren't automated. Um, I mean, you and I talked to, uh, before the call, just, you know, a lot of treatment centers don't even track, you know, all of their all of their calls. Right. Uh, and it really just depends on where you are uh, with with your business and how you're leveraging technology. You know, as the margins start to decrease or as they've already decreased, you're going to see a much greater need for technology because you can automate, you know, a lot of tasks that still need to be done that, you know, technology can do for you versus paying someone, you know, an hourly wage to do that. So I think it's kind of like first starting off by looking at your all of your operation from initial call through admission to, you know, intake, treatment, you know, inpatient, outpatient, discharge, alumni, and just asking like, okay, 
what what part of our operations are already automated and start there. Obviously, if you're not using an EMR, that's the first place you start, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. And then from and then after you know after that you know I would I would say you want to start looking at some of these other areas like CRM. You know, obviously with your verification, that's going to be a very important you know thing to have uh, you know to have have automated and to have tracked. Um, so you know, and if you're considering you know trying to find you know ways of, of automating uh, your you know your practices, your business. I mean, I'm. I'm always available to geek out and talk about that type of stuff. We work with a lot of different, you know, companies like EMR companies, billing companies, um, you know, companies that do the CRM, the billing, the EMR. Uh, there's, you know, EMRs right now that are, are integrating with Verified TX. So instead of going to two different places, you know, a, a verification tool and an EMR, you just go to one EMR and it's all done inside of that. Um, you know, Dan Gamp at one of his talks uh, out in California that I heard recently, he just he, he made he made it so clear how important it is, you know, from initial inquiry all the way through, you know, getting a check from the company, how important it is to have, you know, a seamless connection um, start to finish, you know, if you're going to be able to run your business, you know, um, appropriately. And then especially as the margins are starting to decrease. And so, I mean, I'd be more than happy to speak with anyone if you want any recommendations on that type of stuff um, and really unbiased recommendations at that, uh, you know, but a, a, a key area is, um, you know, something we do, especially with uh, January coming, you know, January is, is a time of the year when a lot of policies lapse and deductibles reset is being able to automate your, your re-verification. And a lot of people say, well, I don't even know what that means. And I would say this, it's, it's so important. Imagine if you have 50 people on your active billable census that are all relying on their insurance, or say even if 90% of them are relying on their insurance to stay in treatment. Well, they're relying on those benefits to, to stay in treatment, and you're relying on those benefits to get paid. Well, how do you know, especially with Obamacare policies and especially with a very young, you know, population, uh, patient population turning 26 and, you know, not being covered by mom or dad's insurance anymore or people, you know, losing their job or getting divorced, like all these types of changes that are happening in our patients' lives. Like, how do you know out of your 50 policies that all are active on your census that the policy hasn't changed or lapsed? The only way you can do it is by rechecking and continuously. So a lot of people say, oh, well, I'll just have one person check on the first of the month They'll call the insurance companies or look it up in availability. Well, the problem with that is sometimes the insurance company isn't updated until the 4th or the 7th or the 14th. And so if you're going to do that effectively, hire one person, have them do it every single week at a minimum. Well, then you start to, you know, do some math on that. And you're like, well, that's going to cost me, you know, $30,000 a year because that's going to be a full-time job. And the answer is yes, it absolutely is. And by the time they get done with it, they're going to have to restart because it's probably already changed. So a key area that you can automate your business, and this is really important for the new year, um, and probably the most important thing that I'm going to talk about here today when it comes to your, your, you know, the business side of what you do and your revenue, is automate that. And Verify TX has a really, really – I'm just going to keep plugging us um, because I'm, I'm talking um, <laughs> on this podcast right now. Verify TX is a really, really cool tool where it actually automates all that for you. And it does periodic checks to make sure that that patient has active coverage. And I'll tell you what, 
you know, the, the reports come in, the data comes in, and every single day, you know, new policies are showing up as termed. And oftentimes, Nick, to be honest with you, when I talk to these centers, you know, I'm like, hey, so what happened? You found out that guy's insurance term, you know, or that lady's insurance term, you know, what happened? They're like, oh, we called the mom and, you know, she switched him from dad's plan to her plan. So we just got the updated information. We moved over the off and we continued to bill. And I'm like, and you guys will still get paid on that? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. And it's so amazing because that guy would have got stuck with a big bill. Right. Right, man. Yeah, that's a huge money saver, obviously, for the patients. Um, and then just so much easier for the center, because obviously, if you build a patient, there's a much less likely chance you'll actually get paid. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I just couldn't imagine getting home from, you know, 30, 60, 90 days stay and then getting a bill for 30 grand because, oh, sorry, your insurance turned and we didn't catch it in time. Right. Right. And if you think about that, it really should be the center's responsibility to be monitoring that, you know, in some respect. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And now there's a super easy way of doing it. Um, and it's, it's pretty cool. It's very uh, it's, it's quick. It doesn't take, you know, really any time from your team or anything like that. And so it's, it's a win for the patient and it's a win for the, you know, for the treatment center. Um, and, you know, of course, the insurance company is going to pay and they wouldn't have uh, they wouldn't have before. So. Um, easiest way to think about it, it's like it's protecting your billable census, making sure all those policies are active and protecting your patients. So you mentioned you're integrating with some of the EMRs out there. Um, what else is next for a Verified TX? Any other features you're looking at adding on in the future? Yeah. Um, so something cool that we've always made a, a big priority with our development cycle is we've, uh, we've always listened to our customers. And so we're getting requests all the time from people uh, of different stuff they want to see. And so one of the things recently, they want to be able to export their data to Excel because we all love Excel spreadsheets. You know, I love Excel spreadsheets. And if you don't love Excel spreadsheets, I'm sure someone on your team does. Um, but, you know, we listen to our customers to get feedback. So if you are a, you know, if you are a customer or user of Verified T of TX, I just want to say, you know, please send it to us. Let us know. Um, you know, we, we really uh, don't get, I mean, compared to how many verifications we do and how many users we have on the platform and how many people are using it, you know, we don't get tons of support calls. And so if you ever have an issue or if you ever have an idea, we're able to prioritize it and get it done pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think now's a, a, a pretty good time, especially going into the new year that we're just considering, you know, how to expand the platform or, you know, if we just want to keep it exactly the same. Uh, we did just release our app for Salesforce, uh, which is, really exciting for you know uh anyone out there that uses salesforce for crm so you can actually run your verifications directly inside of uh inside of your your salesforce and so um if you type in verified tx and salesforce into google that it'll pop up you can see the exchange and then just reach out to us and i'll help you get it set up and you know configured and all that type of stuff um so yeah so we have we have that coming out um and I mean, honestly, I think that's 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 a good question. It's something we're we're trying to figure out for for the new year. Very cool. All right, well, John, I mean, lots of great information there. You know, if listeners want to reach out, learn more about you or Verify TX, how can they do that? Yeah. So, uh, if you want to know more about our service? Just it's VerifyTX.com. If you don't remember that, VerifyTreatment.com. Uh, there's some helpful information on the program. You can fill out a contact form. We'll give you a, you know, a 10 to 15 minute demo of the product and how it works so you can see it, you know, for yourself. Um, if you want to contact me directly, my email is j 
then my last name, Wagner, W-A-G-N-E-R, at VerifiedTX.com. You can also call or text me directly. It's 561-317-1706. Again, 561-317-1706. And, of course, you can find me on social media, but I have a very generic name, so it's kind of hard to find John <laughs> Wagner because there's over 2,000 on LinkedIn. I've had that problem, actually. I'm like, I can't find John. <laughs> yeah, I, look, I, looked up my, I looked myself up, of course. In, in LinkedIn, and I was like, wow, there's 2,221 John Wagner spelt J-O-N inside of LinkedIn. This is going to be really great for people trying to find me, um, if they are even looking. Probably yeah, not. yeah. It's it's like naming, naming your recovery center, like, you know, recovery center, like, <laughs> or like drug treatment, like everyone searching for it. You're never going to rank anywhere because... You know, you're, everything else yeah. is ranking. Yeah. We, we have a client with a similar problem to that where their name is so generic that they'll never rank <laughs> because the general right. terms are going to rank first. So we're like, you should probably think about yeah. changing your name. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's such, such a great point. Um, absolutely. Well, John, any, any final thoughts before we sign off? Anything else you wanted to touch on that we didn't get to? Um, let me see. Think here. I mean, I feel like we pretty much covered anything that I think is important, you know, for admissions, you know, billing, you know, that type of stuff. Um, I guess let me ask you a question because uh, something you and I mentioned uh, before the call was you talk to a treatment center and they ask, okay, we just want to admit more clients. How do we admit more clients? Yeah. Um, Nick, what do you like? What, how, how would you answer that question? Yeah, it's a it's a really good question that we get asked all the time and there's no pat answer, right? I mean, I think one of the mistakes or the misconceptions out there is that someone like us as a marketing company has some magic answer where we're like, plug and play, you just do this and then you have lots of admissions. Nah, it doesn't work that way, right? Um, I would say there's, there's three legs to the stool, right? There's business development, there's inbound, which is your SEO, your AdWords, your website, and then there's kind of outbound multimedia, which could be Facebook, billboards, radio, TV, um, variety brother, community sponsorships, things like that. And you have to find out for your center where your strengths are and where some of your gaps are and which areas you can improve in. You know, I mean, I always give a real simple example. Let's say something like you're looking at like heroin addiction treatment and you research on the back end, and you find out that you're ranking right now for page two. Well, you're not gonna get any calls, right, on page two. But that's a quick win, right? If you're on page two to get you to page one, not that much work. Um, whereas if you were on page 70 for that, that's a ton of work and a ton of money to get there. So you always have to look strategically at your current data and your current strengths and see where you can invest minimally to get the biggest return. And that's gonna be a different answer for everybody. So th that's my answer is it's very complicated, but if you really look at your data, if you got a lot of tracking in place and you, know, you can look at your admissions numbers, you can look at what your BD reps are doing, you can usually find some really clear insights like, oh, if we just push a little bit over here, I bet you we'll get you know, two to three more admissions a month just off of that. Gotcha. Yeah, that's, that's really helpful. Yeah, well, I think people don't break it down enough. They, they simplify the question too much, right? It's like, well, how do we get more admissions, you know? And there's just such a complex answer to that. And at the end of the day, you know, all the listeners out there know that my view on marketing and business is all about building trust. If you don't have trust, you don't have anything. And you cannot build trust through a gimmick, right? Gimmicks don't build trust, especially long-term trust. You might be able to trick someone into your center here or there, um, but your business is gonna fail two years from now because you're not gonna get referrals or you'll get negative reviews, you know, all that kind of stuff when um, what you're saying doesn't match what you're providing. 
So yeah, it's a long-term process of being effective and consistently doing the right things again and again, so that over time you build the momentum and the snowball. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think you're the first person that's actually asked me a question on the podcast, if I think about it. Thanks, John. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think you asked me first. You asked me first if I had any final thoughts or anything I wanted to say. And, you know, that was something I think is so interesting because um, it, it's a question that, you know, is asked all the time. And depending on if you're a marketer or if you're a biller or if you're, a, you know, a verification tool, the answer is, is going to be different. And I think everything that you just mentioned is, is so important. And really just having like a comprehensive uh, view of, you know, of what's actually going on in your business. I mean, I even, we do this with, you know, with our business, like where does someone fall off? You know, is it when they first reach out and they want information and we're trying to get them to a demo and, you know, that's where they fall off or do they fall off later? You know, once we do the demo and, or after we give pricing or, you know, whatever it might be. And, you know, I think being able to just look at those different, you know, marketing and admission funnels and, you know, just kind of as a whole, I think is, you know, is, is, is really, uh, is really, really important. And then, you know, obviously too, you know, something, you know, working with, uh, you know, verified TX is so low cost and it's month to month. There's no long-term commitment or anything like that. Um, and so, you know, you got your marketers that are trying to, you know, you have your marketers out in the field that are building up your referral relationships that are working with EAPs and other treatment centers and different professionals like attorneys or, you know, private therapists, this type of stuff. And you got your, you know, your marketing companies, um, you know, like Circle Social that's doing your digital uh, you have all these different avenues that you just mentioned, and that's going to be the top of your funnel. And you have to kind of look at your, your funnel, you know, uh, comprehensively and say, you know, like, okay, how do I make the most out of every lead, every inquiry that I get from working with Nick, you know, or working, you know, with my development team or, you know, whatever. And, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, I think some of the stuff that we mentioned today on the call um, can all, you know, help improve those numbers so that, you know, when Nick reports your, you know, your cost per, you know, your cost per inquiry or cost per admission, those numbers look, look really, really nice. Um, and so, you know, anyways, just wanted to give my little two cents on, on that little piece. There. Yeah, no, I think they're good insights. I mean, cause like I said, it always comes back to the data and you have to be holistic in your business, right? You know, the biggest mistake potential clients ask us is they'll come and say, well, what's their average cost per admission? I mean, it's a ridiculous question because every single treatment center and every single program is going to be different. You know, I mean, my first question is, do you answer the phone? If you, if you don't answer the phone, your CPA is going to be astronomical. <laughs> but if you're answering the phone immediately, you know, that's going to 10x your or reduce your CPA by, you know, almost a thousand percent compared to some other centers that don't and just like answer voicemails all the time. You know, and, and then you start looking at things like in-network benefits and you have to track every every step of the way, right? So you're tracking your caller reps on the phone, your admissions coordinators, you know, who's answering the phone right away, what percent of people of inquiries coming in are actually then turning into admissions per coordinator. And then you look at things like, well, why are we losing admissions? Is it because we don't take the policies? Well, then we better start making some in-network contracts with people um, or building some other insurance provider contracts out there because we're losing a lot just because we're not in network enough or we don't take those policies. So it's all about the data, right? Are you tracking your data, using your data to understand where the gaps in your business are? 
where it's hurting your admissions, where it's being successful in driving more admissions. And so you can't just look at it from a marketing approach. Like you said, it has to be a holistic approach to the business and that's what's going to make you successful. Well, very cool. Let's um, wrap up there, I think, because it's a lot for, for people to think about. In my experience, they're like, oh, yeah, it's so much more harder than I thought it would be. <laughs> um, <laughs> but as always, the uh, Recovery Executive Podcast is brought to you by Circle Social Inc., experts in strategic marketing and growth for treatment and behavioral health clinics. If you want to download the podcast or listen to it streaming, you can find it anywhere where podcasts are found, TuneIn, iTunes, Stitcher, et cetera. So we thank you so much for joining us and look forward to connecting with you guys again next time.